Hello and welcome to the Godolphin Flying Start Leading to Success podcast, Season 2, Episode 9. My name's Ben Trinafalu and I'm joined by Orlan Angle. You've obviously been over here before. Is this just as good as it was last time? Hi Ben, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been pretty good, I would say. Um, I was out here when COVID was here before, so it's really nice to get back to Kentucky COVID-free, um, especially with the races on at this time of the year. Um, yeah, it's going really well. We've been very busy the last few weeks, last few months. Um, we're all on rotations at the minute in the mornings, and then we've got a lot of lectures and particularly stud visits in the afternoons. Um, with the weather picking up now, it's been really good to get out and see a huge number of the stud farms around Kentucky. Um, we've been very lucky to have stallion shows at a vast majority of these farms. And uh, I say some personal highlights for probably seeing flight line at Lane's End, an obvious one, but uh, that was pretty cool to take off the bucket list. And yeah. I was really impressed with Matole actually at uh, Spendthrift as well. So yeah, they've been some highlights. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, Cane Lane around corner. That's been going on for the last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, we've been we've been regulars in there at the minute um, with the racing on. I've actually been doing my last few rotations at Keeneland. Um, I've, I've been at the track uh, every morning for the last two weeks with Eddie Keneally, a trainer who's based there in Rice Road at Keeneland, and also Johnny Burke. It's been really cool to see the buzz on the track, and we've been lucky enough to actually see some of the, the big colts out on the track some mornings. We saw Tapa Trice there before he won the Bluegrass, and Modern Games was out as well. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. How have you been finding it out here? Oh, brilliant. Like, I mean, I was with Eddie as well, you know, just uh, what, a month or so ago, um, and he was phenomenal, just the way you know, you know yeah. touched the legs and um, really was really hands-on with the horses. I thought that was quite incredible. Yeah. Um, attention to detail. It, it was, yeah, phenomenal. And you can see with the horses how they run, you know, they also, mm. they also perform on the track. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously we've been, also did a uh, rotation with the stewards. Um, so we took that off. Uh, well, I did that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you do it? Was it Saturday? Or? Yeah, I did it. I actually did it Bluegrass Day. Yeah. Bluegrass. Which is really cool. Yeah. Being That's in the paddock. Handy. Yeah. And yeah. obviously you would, you go to the front jumps, like, you know, watch them jump from the start. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we kind of mixed around. We started off with the paddock judges, um, in the paddock, which is really cool to see some of these impressive, uh, specimens up close. The horses out there, you know, they're, they're a completely different shape to home, but yeah, really cool to see that. Um, we were also with the stewards up in their room and the starters at the gates. So yeah, moved around a good bit and saw plenty. Yeah. I was, uh, actually got a bit lucky there on, on Sunday. We, cause Frankie Dettori was down. I heard uh, about this. Yeah, yeah. So we got to, obviously went to the jockey's room and had a look around and, uh, definitely a personal highlight there was, uh, meeting Frankie and getting to shake his hand. Um, probably won't wash his hand ever again. <laughs> um, but that was phenomenal to meet him. Um, and also cool. some of the talent there in the jockey's room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then obviously the race days have been incredible. Uh, sun's been out and about, even tailgating. Like honestly, you sit out that back there where, you know, everyone's parked up and it's it, such a yeah. different experience to home, isn't Big it? Time. They really make a full day out of it out here. And I think yeah. because they only race twice a year, the entire town turns up at the racetrack each day. Yeah. It's- Pretty cool. And like, it's not just college kids that go out there <laughs> and enjoy it. You know, you get family and yeah. everyone kind of bring their own food and drink and yeah. um, they can kick back and watch the racing from there as well as going into the races. So I think yeah. it's a great way um, to even just get people involved and watch watch the racing. And how have you been finding rotations? Yeah, going really well. I'm at uh, Stone Aside at the moment. Uh, there with Jerry Duffy. Um, and obviously, a great team there that he's got. Um, it's all, there's a lot of family there. Um, everyone's kind of the brother or the, the father or the cousin. They're all, they're all kind of, everyone knows everyone. They kind of work as a really great team there. Um, and obviously they got the mares, the foals, the yearlings. So it's just good to, um, get around the farm and see, 
uh, just the variety that they have um, and how they go about all their business there. Um, and they're out there with Annie O'Rourke at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, Jerry's been very good with his time and just uh, explained to us how he how he goes about everything. And obviously you were just a Johnny um, in the rehab barn, um, but fortunately you get to start nights now for the next couple of yeah, weeks, so that's going to be a lot of fun yeah, hours-wise for you. Yeah, I've been lucky to be on the track for the last few weeks um, with the racing going on, but, yeah, on the flip side, I'm now heading into nights, um, tonight actually. So um, it'll, it'll be really cool. It's I've done a fair bit of stud work at home. That's kind of where I've had most of my experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of getting back to that hands-on side of things, and uh, yeah, hopefully seeing some nice, some nice uh, either culture fillies in the in the barn. Perfect, perfect. I'm sure there'll be some superstars out, out of that. Yeah, no, it's been a brilliant month to be here in Kentucky with the racing, and it's only going to get better as we look forward to the Derby. So first up in our Derby-themed interviews in this podcast, we have Jacob West, who will be discussing purchasing Forte, the leading Kentucky Derby hopeful this year. Hey, Jacob. Hey, what's going on? Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, do this. We really appreciate it. So to begin with, you're obviously hugely involved with Mike Rapole and his team of misfits, as he calls you guys. Yep. Um, how, did you, how did that involvement begin and what, what does your role look like now for him? originally how I came across doing business with Mike was um, he had a couple of fillies that were on the racetrack, um, unlimited budget, stop charging Maria, stop shopping Maria. He had actually never sold anything at public auction. And at the time I was with uh, TaylorMade and a part of my job was recruitment of kind of new, new clientele. Um, So I reached out to him to see if he would have any interest in selling any of his fillies. And if you know Mike, you know, it was a, I thought it was going to be this long drawn out conversation of what they were worth and why I thought he should sell them and et cetera, et cetera. And he just basically said to me over the phone, what are they worth? And I told him what I thought each one of them were worth. And he said, okay, if you can get me those prices at the sales, then you can enter them. If not, it's going to be very hard for me to do business with you ever again. And <laughs> so, so we, uh, the team at TaylorMade and myself, we stepped up and we we exceeded his expectations on what they were going to sell for, um, and got the job done for him. Nowadays, like you said, it's kind of transitioned a little bit into you know I had worked the sales for Todd Pletcher and had done a little bit of kind of shortlisting and being out in front of him and and then it just quickly evolved we were just interested as well just with um forte obviously he's you know probably the leading contender for the derby um how did you come about purchasing him and um how do you go through you know relatively cheaply for for what he's turned into yeah you know he was a horse that was selling later on in the keeneland sales um i tell people i'm i'm about 99.9 percent sure he was actually the cheapest yearling we bought that year he was a horse that was, I think he was in book four. Um, you know, quite honestly, I don't think violence at the end of the day during that time of the sale was the flavor of the month. Um, and so we were able to get a really athletic horse that was, you know, well-balanced and the first full out of a mare that could really run for relatively cheap money. 110000 isn't cheap to me, but, you know, relatively speaking to the other ones we bought, uh, he looks cheap now. <clears throat> And is that kind of a mantra that you follow a little bit in that you would forgive, you know, a less 
kind of maybe commercially appealing stallion for the for the great physical that you might find absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely yeah i mean i i think you know you and i had talked about this before yeah uh, when we were at the sales like mm-hmm. you know wayne lucas famously said you can't put a saddle on the pedigree so yeah. try to go out and buy the buy the uh the best physicals that you can and that's exactly what we've done and and forte is just a byproduct of that now that being said you know, part of the process with buying with Mike and Benny is, you know, there, it is a team aspect. So Benny has his team and it's made up of a couple of different people. He had to pass their their side, too. On our side, you know, it's myself, Jim Martin, uh, Jim Martin, Eddie Rosen and, and Danielle Bricker. And, you know, Eddie would would be the our pedigree kind of analyst and, and guru. And so, like, there's hoops they have to jump through for us too, in order to, you know, basically be a viable product that if they do turn into what they are or like a horse, like Forte that Mike and Vinny can then take, take the reins on getting them sold and getting the most money for them as a stallion prospect. And then just kind of leading on from that um, and from a biased kind of Irish point of view, you're obviously the Goffs um, USA representative. Um, So we have kind of a good few of us would be, hopefully aspiring pinhookers and breeders in the future, hopefully selling yearlings to people like you guys. Um, so in terms of what you look for in the yearlings, both in Ireland and in, you know, in internationally, um, in terms of physical, what are you looking for and what kind of program are you looking to try and slot them into when you bring them over here? You know, in America, I'm extremely like split. Uh, it, it, I want to win all the, you know, the marquee dirt races mm-hmm. in America. When you go over to Ireland, or anywhere that's overseas, you know, it's predominantly turf racing. And and as long as you have that mindset going into it, you know, you're going to come out of there with hopefully buying the best horses that you can uh, for a turf surface. But at the end of the day with me, you know, from in terms of what I look for in a physical, it all starts with how athletic they are, how they move. You know, to me, you know, there's got to be a direct correlation between how a horse walks is how they jog, how they jog is how they gallop, and how they gallop is how they move in the races. Mm-hmm. And efficient horses always do very well in the races. To me, it's also a soundness aspect because a horse that moves fluid and moves very well, you know, that translates over to how they take care of themselves when they are running. If they have a short, choppy walk, you know, h- historically speaking, those horses are hard on themselves when they're on the track. Um when you're in America, you know, to win the big two-turn dirt races, you know, that are, are at the top of our list, you know, you need a size a horse with size and substance um, with horses, that, you know, as, in regards to their size. You know, I it's funny because sometimes when we go over there and shop, especially at golfs, like there will be a big horse and it comes out and I'll say like, oh, wow, this is a really nice horse. And I'll talk to friends and associates that are over there and they'll say, oh, God, that horse is just way too big. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, geez, I'm being free to <laughs> see the ones in America. <laughs> um, so, you know, that that's the way I kind of view it um, is that, you know, you got to be forgiving of certain things on certain sides of the pond type type deal. But as long as you have the mindset of, you know, what you're buying and what, what surface it's going to end up on eventually, then you should go in there and try to buy the same type. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and there's, look, there's plenty of uh, young people trying to get into the industry and uh, from just purchasing horses and hopefully one day become, you know, a bloodstock agent like yourself. Um, is it, do you have any advice? Like it's quite, it can be tough for those that don't really know how to, what path to take, but have you got any advice for how they could get into the industry? You know, I think like I'm a prime example of somebody that didn't grow up in the industry. I grew up in 
a town in Western Kentucky called Paducah. And, you know, I'm not even hundred percent sure half the town over there can spell horse. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, 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 horse racing is just what happens on the first Saturday in May in Kentucky, you know, in, in that town. So I am an example of somebody who can come into this industry. I started out at the very bottom. I understood that there was going to be sacrifices. Um, you know, I always tell people when I first started out in the business, for three and a half years, almost four years, I had Tuesdays off, you know, like, <laughs> trust me, there's nobody dying to go out to the bars on Monday nights. So, yeah. You know, my, my, uh, my life schedule was, was a little flipped upside down. So, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's just, you got to know that you got to stick with a plan and you got to be adventurous and you got to, you know, quite frankly, there's some of the stuff you got to try to go out and learn on your own. Know that, if you, you know, stay driven and, and, and stay with your head down and, and going to work, you know, eventually it'll pay off. Um, and the other piece of advice that I would tell you is you can travel around the world to see how other people do it. If you rewound, I'm 37 years old right now. If you rewound the clock, you know, to when I first got into the industry, I'd be packing up everything I had and moved to Australia as fast as I can because yeah. my experiences down there have just been unbelievable and you know go down there and learn how they do it and for a couple of years and come back to america and do whatever you can or try to go over to europe and again you know that you're not going to be living in some palace and you know you're you're going to be scraping by on a couple of bucks to to go out on with your buddies and but work the sales and and shake hands and introduce yourself and kiss babies and politic around as much as you can. <laughs> but, you know, just get your hands dirty and, and go to work. And I'm a living, walking, breathing example of if you do all those things, you know, there good things come to you for sure. Yeah. Words of wisdom for sure. We're actually all, Absolutely. our next stop is Australia. So I think I can speak for us all. We're all extremely excited to get down there and see uh, what a vibrant industry it is at the minute. And um, without bed, man, I'd say half of you all won't make it back from. Yeah, judging <laughs> by the past few the past few graduate years, yeah, I'd say more than half of them have ended up staying down there. Uh, people just fall in love with it, don't they? And mm-hmm. um, bringing it back to the first Saturday in May, how is Porta himself? How has he come out of the race down in Florida, and how are you feeling going into the Derby? I know I'm sure. I've you know, <laughs> he he's doing very well. I, I mean, I know there's been a lot made of. You know, post race, if you saw him yeah. going back to the barn, he was up on his toes and he was feeling good. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, that's him. He's just a good feeling horse, but he's sensible and he's got a great mind and he's easy for Todd Pletcher to train and his staff. And, um, a yeah. horse that, you know, physically, he's a February fall. Um, mm-hmm. but physically, he just looks like a horse that just continually, you know, develops and fills out and, and does well, but he's had such a great mind on him and, and he's handled everything um, with with ease and, and he's he's doing very, very well. He ships to Kentucky actually on Sunday. So he'll be here the 16th and get settled in over at Churchill under the Twin Spires and hope he has a good couple of weeks and shows up the first Saturday in May. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And um, obviously you've got so many good horses that are going through as well, outside of Forte as well. Is there any that stand out to you as maybe one to possibly follow? You know, we've had a we 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 have ambitious owners with Mike Rapoli and Vinnie Viola, and we actually ran a couple of maidens in the Wood Memorial and tried to spot around some horses in some of these Derby preps. Um, but a horse that actually ran third in the Wood Memorial, he's still a maiden. 
Um, there's a horse named Dreamlike. He's the son of Gunrunner um, that we gave quite a bit of money for. Um, but he seems like a horse that the light bulb has really come on. Um, and, you know, like I said, to be a maiden and to, and to run beaten just ahead in, in, a, in a grade two that's a derby qualifying race, you know, uh, says a lot to his merit. We really think he's got a bright future for sure. Um, and then we have another Philly that's on the track right now, Cairo Consort, that just ran mm-hmm. second at Keeneland last weekend. Um, that's a three-year-old Cairo Prince Philly that we bought last November in partnership with Town & Country Farm. And we think she's got a bright future. We have up to the mark runs tomorrow and the Maker's Mark Mile here at Keeneland. Um, and, and, you know, last Saturday, we during the uh, Florida Derby Day, we ran four horses and won four races. And they were all at different levels. And, you know, they were actually a couple of them were on the grass. So we're, we're, we are, a, we, our operation in our stable is, is really coming together. And you're seeing a lot of it, you know, come to fruition on what we planned it was. And we're just hopeful that all these yearlings we bought last year that are now two year olds, we have a couple of more laying in the wings. Yeah. It's hugely exciting times. And, uh, best to look at it and long may it continue. Jim, yeah, absolutely. You, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate, uh, yeah, thank you guys. Time. And we'll, uh, we'll be there on the first Saturday of May and get off and done of any runners in the Derby. So I think we'll be allowed to cheer for Forte. Yeah. There you go. There you go. We'll, <laughs> we'll let you come to our side, uh, and, and for one day so, only. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jacob. Again. All right, guys. Thank you. We now have Michael Banahan, the director of Bloodstock at Godolphin USA, after the great victory of first mission in the Lexington Stakes on the weekend, and also going to talk about the Oaks with their two contenders, Wet Paint and Pretty Mischievous. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining us. No problem. A good weekend. Uh, Last weekend with first mission, winning the Lexington Stakes. Um, Where's he probably going to be heading to next? Yeah, no, it was a fabulous uh, run from him, uh, stepping up to that graded level uh, at his first attempt, and uh, it was a strong Lexington stake. So uh, we we would we will see how he comes out of the race, but potentially we'll probably look at the uh, maybe the Preakness stakes if he comes out really well and see what happens in the Derby and uh, what the fallout will be from that race. But traditionally, the last few years, not too many the Derby contenders have been onto the Preakness and it kind of being a bit of a small field but saying that there's probably going to be a lot of horses that didn't get into the derby this year that'll be looking at the preakness maybe as their next option as well so uh, we'll see how it all shakes out but um, we think he'll be able to play with the big boys down the road so looking forward to it with him well, that's very exciting to look forward to for the season ahead and um, speaking of the first weekend in may um, obviously, Godolphin don't have any Colts heading that direction. But in terms of fillies, there's some very, there's two very exciting fillies to look forward to. How are they getting on in the run-up? Yeah, they're doing very well. Both of them breezed uh, at Churchill Downs last week and both of them went very well. Uh, uh, Brendan Walsh, very pleased with Pretty Mischievous. And Brad, likewise, with Wet Paint. And both of them will breeze back again this Friday, unless it rains, and they might bring it back to Thursday. But both are coming into the race in as good a shape as you could hope for. And so we're very excited uh, with the two of them going in there. I think we've a, we've a big chance. If you had to split them, could you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, uh, look, you know, a couple of months ago, we probably would have thought the Pretty Mischievous was the better filly, but uh, uh, Wet Paint hadn't 
uh, showing her stuff then at that stage and she's now come along and uh, probably would be favourite for, for the Oaks. So, um, uh, but both of them have different styles of running. So uh, we're excited to have one up near the pace and one coming off the pace and one has shown that she can run on a on an off track very well. So I think we have a lot of bases covered and hope that we get uh, uh, some looking running on the day and um, we like our position. Yeah, you must be thrilled too with uh, wet paint, having one now on a good track as well as, you know, in the wet. So that's got to be um, exciting heading into the Derby. Oh, sorry, into the Oaks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll leave them in the Oaks at the moment. Maybe they could yeah. not be crazy, but we won't, we won't try that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, and she's just improved all winter long and into the springtime. And, and I don't think we know where her ceiling is yet. Uh, so I think there's more improvement in there as well. So she's a very exciting, uh, exciting filly to have going into the Oaks, and and I think that's why you know, not only there hasn't been a standout filly so far this year, and she might look like she's the one, and if she keeps on improving, um, we might have a really, really good filly on our hands. So uh, it's a uh, it's very exciting. Uh, and you know, we've never won the Oaks before, so it'll be uh, it'll be a great race to try and get on the on the Godolphin Roll of Honor. Brilliant. And then obviously looking further ahead in the season uh, with Godolphin being leading owner now in North America, it's a very exciting time to be out here. Is there any major two-year-olds looking to start to show their hand at the minute? Is there anyone that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for in the future? Well, I'd love to have that crystal ball <laughs> to tell me that, but unfortunately uh, probably don't don't have that just yet. Uh, we have we were down in Florida a couple of weeks ago and uh, we have some that are training well and looking good, you know. But they've only done, you know, three eight works, and uh, but they look like they're progressing well. And uh, so I think it'd be a bold move to try and try and pick out. Probably could have picked out the same horses last year's yearlings uh, as I could now uh, with what they're training on the track. So, but we we look like there's some nice ones in there, and um, uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll. They'll uh, live up to their pedigrees, and we'll have we'll have something to look forward to by the by the fall and into the Breeders' Cup, maybe. And finally, we'll have our fellow first year trainee David O'Farrell uh, joining us on the podcast. He is from Ireland in Dublin, and he's going to tell us about life here in the bluegrass. Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us. I uh, heard this is your first time out at Keeneland and obviously your first time in America. How are you finding it? Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, yeah, first time in Lexington, first time getting to Keeneland racing, so really enjoying it. Uh, the weather has been pretty good in the main. Uh, we're two weeks into the meet now, so yeah, some brilliant racing, a couple of group ones. Um, yeah, and just the attendances have been unbelievable, um, even Wednesday, Thursday afternoons. You know, I don't think you'd see it anywhere else in the world. I think every trainee's really enjoyed it. Um, a couple of them have been here before, but most for most of us, it's new. So, yeah, absolutely loving it. And so I think we've still got seven or eight days to go. So hopefully plenty more winners in there. How have you been getting on so far? Any luck? Um, not great now. Um, we've had a couple of winners. Top of Trice, he was a short price in the Bluegrass. 
Um, but no, uh, no, it hasn't been going too well. It's, I know it started well for you, Ben, but it kind of went pear shaped there today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at it. We, we can, uh, there's a lot of time to go, so you know we can all turn it around. We can turn it around. And you're you're out of Airdrie at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. So my rotation for this week, I'm an Airdrie stud. Um, so yeah, plenty of mares and foals on the ground now already. They've plenty of their stallions. Really like support their own stock, which is always nice to see. Um, yeah, and just getting hands on there in the mornings and then the afternoons. We've been doing plenty of visits, uh, plenty of meetings, probably more visits now the last few weeks with the weather picking up. Lots of farms going to Judmont, Gainesway, um, Spendthrift. And we also got the Churchill Downs there a few weeks back, which was really good. And now I think we're all in derby mode, as they say. Yeah, very much so. And everyone at those farms have been really generous with their time, uh, taking us around, asking, answering all our questions. Uh, so yeah, I echo that. We've all had a really, really great time out of the farms around Lexington. Um, we will move into some quick fire questions, Dave, if that's okay with you. Yeah, can't you wait. Go easy on me. <laughs> we'll easy win. Okay. So best trainer in Europe. Oh, easy one. This to start. Anyway, Paddy Toomey trains in Tipperary <laughs> in Ireland. Okay, it's, it's, it's just one, 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 one word answers here, Dave. One, <laughs> yeah. one word answers. Sorry, sorry. I always get carried away. Dave. <laughs> Favorite place in America? Ooh, um, Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> National hunt or flat? Oh, point to point. You're so predictable. Favorite horse? Oh God, um, fully charged. Sales or racing? Oh, easy racing. <laughs> Favorite stallion? Um, Hamelot. Best pub in Ireland? Oh, uh, Ryan's at Camden Street. Best pub in Lexington? Um, I'm going to say controversial Lex Live. Jeez, big one. Go back in history and be present for one race. What race would it be? Oh, actually, we were talking about one earlier, the Cox play between Animo and Say the Rest. Bit of controversy there, so what would have been like to be there. Race you're looking forward to watching most back home this year? Um, back home. We'll get home for the Derby and Irish Derby, so looking forward to that. Yeah. On Taco Tuesday night, how spicy is the sauce? <laughs> extra, extra, extra mild. And most importantly, Derby pick. <laughs> oh... I have to go Forte. He won't be beaten, lads. Yeah, Forte definitely looks the one to beat. Um, although he definitely had a tough race last time out in the Florida Derby. So it'll be interesting to see if it's taken much out of him. Um, and obviously there's some brilliant uh, fillies for Godolphin to look forward to in the Oaks. So very much looking forward to the first uh, weekend in May. Yeah, thanks Ace, for your time there, Dave. It's been good to have you on and push through. And hopefully you're looking forward to your externships, which will be coming up shortly. Yeah, thanks a million, Ben. Come on, Forte. Come on, Forte. <laughs> thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. So this concludes this month's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And again, a massive thank you to all the guests who came on to talk to us. Um, we are looking forward to hopefully cheering home some winners on the first weekend in May, um, particularly in the Derby, with my pick being Angel of Empire and Ben's being... Practical move. Um, we hope we might have surely mentioned the winner of the Derby at some point in this podcast. So fingers crossed.